Welcome, welcome to another... Welcome to Pottercast, the official podcast of The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. Did you hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. Hi, I'm Matt Lewis, Neville Longbottom from the Harry Potter films, and now your hosts, Melissa and Ellie. Welcome to Pottercast 6. I'm Melissa. I've gotta say, it's just so strange being introduced by Matt Lewis. Um, Anyway, we have a great show for you today. We're celebrating Banned Books Week. Banned Books Week is a celebration of our right to choose. A lot of people can't read Harry Potter because it is one of the most challenged books on the American Library Association's list. Now, a challenge happens when a parent, a citizen, or anyone makes a formal request for a book to be taken off a shelf. The American Library Association gets hundreds of these requests every year, and many libraries choose to take the books out of children's reach. So we at Leaky support this effort because it helps people get informed about censorship and why it can be harmful. We support it in the name of all Harry Potter fans and in honor of all those kids who would be Harry Potter fans, but can't because they can't get to them. So for more information on Banned Books Week, please visit our show notes at pottercast.com. We'll have all the relevant links there. You'll hear more about Banned Books this week through most of this Pottercast. In the Modcast, our, our forum moderators get together to discuss the frequently challenged books on the American Library Association's list and the impact those books have had on their lives. We have an in-the-know segment featuring Beverly Becker, who is the Associate Director of the American Library Association's Office of Intellectual Freedom, who gives us some great insider info on the process of challenging and banning a book and the roles that libraries today play, and also the many challenges that Harry Potter has had to come up against over the years. Then, in our back to our regular format this week, we have part two of our special interview with Matt Lewis. In this segment, we'll get into discussion about the fourth f- the fourth film, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Here's where we start discussing all the preparation that Mike Newell had them do for this film with the new actors, the scenes that had everyone on set buzzing, and a lot more. Then at the end, we have another exciting mailbag segment where Sue and Kristen and I get into some of your questions. And don't worry, John Noe will be back at the end to wrap up. See you soon. Here's Sue with the news. Hello everyone, Sue Upton here with your Harry Potter news recap for you. There was quite a bit of news this week, so let's get right to it. In book-related news this week, we saw some nice new cover art released, including the cover to the Swedish edition of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, as well as a great high-res photo of the German edition of Book 6. Both of these covers reflected artwork, which were based on a key chapter late in Half-Blood Prince, and have received quite a bit of attention and discussion on our website. Be sure to check out our website for all the covers to the Half-Blood Prince. Also this past weekend, Half-Blood Prince was released in Vietnam and it sold out 15,000 copies straight away and they had to order another 10,000 copies, which they also expect to sell quite quickly. Mary Graham Prey, the artist who makes the illustrations for the U.S. edition of the books, has given a new interview and she spoke about her process for making the illustrations and she even spoke briefly about Book 7. Yes, that's right, Book 7 is coming, everyone. And she said yes, she expects this last book to be a really big deal and notes that when the series has ended, it will be like getting a child going off to college and that she will miss Harry, as will we all. There was also a great deal of film news as well. We saw some beautiful new Harry Potter products which are being released right before the movie coming out, and these new ones came from the Noble Collection, which included some beautiful new statues and even a replica of Voldemort's wand, which is um, highly intriguing to say the least. You can be sure and check out the links for that on our website. Our cauldron shop has also been updated with some new things, including the many fan books or books about the Harry Potter books 
We saw some really great, fantastic new scans from the large wall calendar for Goblet of Fire for 2006. And these included some new scenes from the movie, including ones of Amos Diggory and Arthur Weasley and the gang getting ready to go at the Porky scene before the Quidditch World Cup, which is really cool. We also saw one very startling picture of Barty Crouch Jr. and Karkaroff at the pensive trial scene, which is just really fantastic. Karkaroff is in this wild cage and it's just, wow. All, that's all I can say is just wow. Be sure and check out these scans out on our website. We also did have some news about the actors who play in the film as well. We learned that the rumor about Emma Watson appearing in a new movie were untrue or twaddle, which is my favorite new word of the week. Thank you, Melissa. And we also saw some high-res photos of Rupert Grint's new movie, Driving Lessons, which he's currently filming or just about done filming. And he will be starring in that movie with Julie Waters, who actually plays Molly Weasley in the Harry Potter film. We also saw two new interviews posted on Virgin.net from actress Katie Ling, who plays Cho Chang, and Robert Pattinson, who plays Cedric Diggory. And both of these actors spoke about their life on and off the set, what it's like to join the new cast of Harry Potter. And they're really good interviews, so be sure and check those out. And now, on with the show. Pottercast is brought to you by The Leaky Cauldron, your top spot for Harry Potter news on the web. It's also made possible by Streamload.com. Streamload is a site that helps you meet the demands of the new digital communications era without owning or administrating a website or doing anything that technophobes generally fear. For $10 a month, you'll get unlimited space to hold all your photos, your movies, and whatever files you want. And then you'll have 10 gigabytes of download space so that you can share it with your friends and your family. Now, 10 gigabytes is about 300 of these podcasts. We've been using Streamload on the Leaky Cauldron for over a year, and we've never had a problem. We think they're great. It's really easy to use. Streamload.com. It's freedom for your digital lifestyle. Warning. If you have not yet read Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, proceed with caution. There are spoilers afoot. Hello, everyone. Now here we are back. We are back. We are back with John. Yep. Everybody. Here I John, am. no, he's here. And there are our ever-lovely Melissa's here, too. Why, thank you, Sue. No, you are lovely. I'm more excited about and John Noe being here. I'm a John Noe fangirl. I know. It is a party now. I'm here. <laughs> I know. It is a party. <laughs> I'm astounded by the John Noe love this week. Yeah. <laughs> It's awesome. It makes me grin. Oh, boy. It's great. Although I still haven't forgiven you for my serious black ghost cough. We're all done with serious news. Dumbledore, we're mourning now. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. We forgot all about serious. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> so, what'd you think about the news this week, boys and girls? So much of it, especially yesterday. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. Somebody was on a roll. She was on fire. On smoking. No, I actually got a lot of work done as well. How about that? Yeah. Huh? So it's Banned Books Week, and I love banned books, and I have a lot of banned books, and yeah. As a parent, Sorry. Sue, what do you say about, about people coming in and telling your son that they can't read a book because that's their opinion? <laughs> I mean, I try to be respectful of their opinions as a parent and be their, understand their concerns, but I don't want them making being the parent to my child. Right. So... Well, listen, Potter fans, you are all Potter fans because you were able to get your hands on a Harry Potter book. This means that it was not banned. You were able to get it. So now, by supporting Banned Books Week, you're telling people that it's wrong to ban things. You're telling people that you want more Harry Potter fans in the world. And J.K. Rowling's been banned. What's what's that line from Book 5 that Hermione says? Don't you see the, the one thing you can do to make sure everybody reads it is to ban it? <laughs> 
Yeah. Mm. And it worked. That'd be an awesome t-shirt to send to Joe. It just says, just playing shirt says, I've been banned. Well, how about our readers make make? <laughs> how about our readers make that design this week, and we'll and we'll yeah, and we'll send a Joe a T-shirt. Idea. Make send a design cool. on the band books team staff at pottercast dot com. We'll send the top three. Oh, to we'll Joe. make it all nice. We'll make it all nice. And I have <laughs> zero time to do cool. it. So you guys, see what you can come up with. Excellent. Very cool. Cool. Well, that's so th- excellent. No, that's great. What are we talking about now? News. What else came up? Okay. Oh, oh, oh. Also, we have to. We have to talk. Okay. I know. I get John. I know. I get on you. I have to apologize to you. I know. I get on you about your bad trivia knowledge. Mm. Apparently, I have no right to do so whatsoever, because <laughs> last <laughs> week I said that the night that Harry's parents were was killed was October thirty first, nineteen eighty, which is so incorrect. It's nineteen eighty one. It's only the cornerstone of the entire freaking book freaking series and I got it wrong so I apologize that and then and then I didn't stop I went and said that there was no spell for the ropes and 80,000 gabillion readers wrote us to say there is a spell it's in Corsaris Melissa you were wrong so Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes I was was wrong. wrong Wrong. See the thing was is that I knew what the spell was the whole time, and then when Melissa didn't know, I totally second guessed myself because Melissa, you know, she's never wrong about this stuff. Apparently, that's not true. Nope. There you have it, folks. So you know. Very good. Man, that trivia contest with Muggleman, we're gonna lose. No, we no, are not. We are no. going we, to win. I will be there. We are their not boots. going to lose. John, you can take my spot. Oh yeah. <laughs> no problem there. Okay, so more news this week. More news this week. Soon, soon upcoming on a podcast in the near future. I don't know exactly when. Jeff of HPANA.com is, is going to come on. And I don't know if, you, if you guys Yay. know or are able to glean that Jeff of HPANA is probably the most technologically knowledgeable person. In the, he's just tech guy. You have a tech question, you go to him. We're going to do, I don't know if you guys know this podcast called This Week in Tech. It's like the most popular podcast in the world. I love it. I, I'm not even a tech person. I listen to it. Um, they certainly aren't plugging Twit. They get enough. They players. don't need plugs, but, and no. I'm sure that this is not even going to make a drop in their, <laughs> in their readership. But, um, we decided we'd do something, something for a Harry Potter fan, techno, techno, techno related, explain some technology stuff for Harry Potter fans. Um, so that, you know, clearly if you subscribe to the feed, you're, you're in, <laughs> to our podcast, you, you can do it. We will explain some great stuff that you can do to make your HP internet viewing experience better with Jeff of HPANA.com. He'll be on soon. Very good. So, more news. Lots of news. Lots of news about the film, boys and girls. Lots oh, it's, of it's fun that time things again. about. They corrected the gravestone. Yes! Hooray! The power of Potter fans. It's amazing, isn't it? When when this when this done. happened, I um I sent them like a two page email <laughs> explaining <laughs> whining it out, links to the lexicon, Marvel O'Riddle, Meryl Bigant, the whole thing that I said and then I said at the end you can throw a book at my head, it's 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 all right, I understand. Well send her two page emails. John and your forty five page emails. Oh, that's not true. Mm. I don't take this too seriously. That would ruin my image. <laughs> but it worked. 
the, the photo is now fixed. Well, I don't know what worked. I'm yes. sure that I'm sure they heard from 80 gazillion fans around the world. Um, but it just shows you when you're. What I, my point is that when you're when you're such an invested Harry Potter fan, you just think, no, they must get this right. So I will explain to them exactly why they've got to get it right. So we've got some more pictures. Yes, we did. Scans of the calendar. Big ones, oh, yeah. cool ones. Sure. Mm-hmm. A lot of shipping one, a shipping yeah. one, I think. Yeah. Don't want to get me started on those pictures. Why? What's What's your issue with the pictures? Oh, September. Somebody, couple people were wet, looking kind of close. Yeah, you know, you know, it, it's bad enough they have to make such a big deal about it in the third film to pair them off like that all the time. But then you get all these pictures of them so close. Them who? You know, every every second. Let's let's you know let's 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 toss. Harry and Hermione together, you know, because that'll that'll be great. Because everybody loves seeing those two together. Come on, it, I mean. So no, you're I'm upset about even, that? Yeah, it's 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 freaking ridiculous. But you know, mm-hmm. whatever. At least the Harry Hermione shippers will have fun with that picture that's because true. yeah, that's you true. Know, it looks they're so cuddly together. So I know, I know, hell? I know. You're you're so into Ron Hermione. I knew that was going to annoy you when that came out. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we have other scans. Yes, awesome ones. Your boy dead, Sue. I can't. I can't bear that one. I just. I wow. can't. Did you see his face? Did you see yeah. it? Yeah. And then there was another one of like McGonagall. You know, when she's mm-hmm. looking down. Oh my god. <sighs> just. Oh. It's gonna be horrible. Oh. I can't. I can't even think about it. Especially because Cedric is so boyish, and approachable in that way. He's got that. Sweet kid charm, you know. I just want to scoop him up and run away, you know. With them say no, no. Yeah. <sighs> we'll, we'll, we'll have that chance because you know the thing I heard about ghosts is that it takes three <laughs> years for them to materialize. <laughs> so it's not too late. We will have a Cedric ghost, and he'll come in book seven, and he'll be the most darn entertaining thing since Peeves. I would refute you, John, but I have no legs to stand on, so I'm sure you might... Sure, you're right. Yes. Incarcerous what? Incarcerous. Incarcerous. But, yeah. Speaking anyway, Barty Crouch. Stance, yes, that was the one I was going to say next. Mm. That one on the pensive, that yeah. trial thing. What? what is that cage? What is the deal with that, that cage? cage? They twist... I heard, I don't know if this is true or not, but they, they twist the um, spikes in when he doesn't give a satisfactory answer. Is, I don't know. It's a rumor. I don't know if it's true or not. Well, he looks <laughs> yeah. all abused. But, oh, Carl- but how come he's all abused and Barty Crouch is, you know, groomed in, in a suit? Yeah, What's that about? Because he's, he's insane. He's nuts. He's wacko. But where'd he get a suit? Maybe he... Transfigured it from Madame Malkins. Who knows? Something else. I don't know. Maybe it's his trial. Maybe that. Maybe they refigured it so it's just his trial. Can people transfigure their own clothes? Yeah, but you don't have a wand when you're in Azkaban. Well, has that happened ever in any of the Harry Potter books? Somebody transfiguring their own clothes? I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. I'm not. I'm not hazarding a guess because I'll get forty gazillion emails. So no. If Ron was so upset about his dress robes, why couldn't he have just transfigure them into something cool? Oh, I know what you mean. No, I guess he couldn't have because um, he didn't have enough power. Yeah. And plus, J.K. Rowling has 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 addressed this in the past. She said yeah. that um, some of the things that she had to decide about the world was what things what things could and could not do. And for instance, depending on power, things that you conjure don't last forever. 
Mm-hmm. So it yeah. could have been the Cinderella thing. Ron would have read on his robes, yeah. and then they turned into a pumpkin. <laughs> hey, yeah. speaking of Harry Hermione, pumpkin. Yeah, because you know. Anyway, because of course he'll have uh, Dumbledore go into a fancy restaurant, and he'll be underdressed, and he'll have to leave because he can't transfigure his clothes into something more formal. <laughs> well, his purple suit that he wore to the orphanage. Wow. He would get served in that any day. You wore a purple yeah. suit. <laughs> Wasn't it purple? That'd be really funny if it wasn't, because I'm not editing that out. <laughs> what? Don't you take <laughs> John... John just wants to put me on the line so that I get ridiculed. He just wants to. <laughs> Fine. I'm evil. How much more are we going to make? Okay, we have to move on. Our fan interview gets into the band Books. Woo! And later on, we have the second part of our interview with Matt Lewis, and he starts talking about the movie and some interesting things that Matt Lewis, I'm sorry, that Mike Newell had them do in preparation for for the fourth film. And he gets into some cricket. We learn about cricket. Cricket. (laughs) Go play cricket. Okay. Yeah. Okay, guys. So I hope everybody enjoys the rest of the podcast. Nope. Enjoy it. Here it comes. And now, it's time for, in the fan corner, a one-on-one interview with a new lucky fan each week. Wicked. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the fan interview. This is Doris Herman, or Darcy, from The Lounge. And today, I have a very special guest with us. I'm talking to Rachel Lewis, who is Enchanted on The Lounge. Hi, Rachel. How are you doing today? Great. How are you? I'm doing really good. I'm excited to get to talk to you. And one of the exciting things about Rachel, and one of the reasons why I really wanted to interview her, is that Rachel Rachel is a new teacher. And most of you guys probably know that I am also a teacher, and I love using Harry Potter in my classroom. One of the things Rachel talked about in the letter that she wrote to our Gmail account is um, using Harry Potter in the classroom, some of the ideas that she had. I think that books in general, are such a blessing in that you have the opportunity as a reader to unlock what is in the author's mind. And of all the authors that we have available to us and all the ideas that can run through each of their heads and can be put down on paper, that's just an invaluable source. And, I mean, a quote that it's on the the ALA, American Library Association's website, and I've seen this many places before, but Lyndon B. Johnson said, books and ideas are the most effective weapons against intolerance and ignorance. And I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's, I feel like, in countries that censor what children or women or any kind of minority group under control can read, can watch, I mean, that they obviously do that for a reason. And so in my mind, Banning a book is just cutting off a piece of information. I've read things in my life that I don't agree with, but I still had the opportunity to read them and decide for myself. And that's a, a liberty that I hold really dear. Right. Well, as a, a fan of Harry Potter, how do you feel knowing that Harry Potter is on the list of books that people are attempting to ban? Um, I understand it. I'm, I'm from the South. I'm from the Bible Belt. I'm from a very religious area. Um, my particular religious beliefs don't have anything to do with that. And, and most oftentimes, religion is the major factor that people bring up, you know, the, the presence of witchcraft and the fact that it goes against whatever they believe in. Um, I, I understand that because, you know, I can see from that point of view from because of my upbringing. I think that a lot of times people don't give 
kids enough credit to have the good common sense that the parents try to raise them with. Um, I mean, kids are smarter than a lot of people would lead, try to lead you to believe, and I think that they know what's real, they know what's not. And so Harry Potter being on that list because of that reason, I think, is, is pretty poor indeed. Well, moving on to Harry Potter, one thing you talked about in your um, letter and that we've kind of chatted about is sort of the academic snobbery that teachers have. Not, not all teachers, you know, but some teachers have towards Harry Potter. And you've experienced that firsthand. Could you share that with us? Yeah. Um, one of the ladies that I taught with in the past just refused to even read Harry Potter. It didn't have anything to do with religious beliefs or issues with the book itself. So much as she was concerned about, you know, kids in her fifth grade class um, walking around with books that were too advanced for them just to try to impress the other children. And I thought that that was not really the best way to deal with it because even though there were kids doing that, and I understand her objection to it, she really wanted them to grasp the concepts of language arts. At the same time, she removed herself from understanding something that was a big part of a lot of the kids' literary experience so far. I mean, the majority of the kids in that class loved Harry Potter, and they had, if they hadn't read all of the books, they'd read most of them. Okay, we're going to move on to some more fun stuff and, and a little less heavy and more <laughs> lighthearted because <right>. <clears throat> we're ready for that. Let's uh, talk a little bit about about the book, the last book that just came out, because I know it, it's so exciting and it's so much fun to, you know, have finally read book six now. Tell me what you think may happen in book seven. What are some of your predictions? Oh, okay. Book seven. I think we're going to see a redemption of Snape in some way or another. I don't think that the reader will ever truly forgive him, no matter what the backstory, what the, the twist there. Um, but I think that we'll see some kind of redemption because that's been a pretty heavy theme. So who's your favorite character in the series? Jenny Weasley, without hesitation. She's just so spunky, and she's the youngest of seven kids. I'm the youngest of seven kids, and just I understand Jenny Weasley the way that probably nobody else does. So I don't think I ever had a piece of clothing when I was younger that wasn't hand-me-down. Mm, yeah, I, 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 I understand that. So what did you think of her in this book? Did you think she changed over the course of the series, or do you think that she's stayed the same, or how do you feel about her? Well, I, I mean, I'm sure she's changed. You know, um, Joe just makes sure to show everybody – the maturity of the characters. It's, a, it's such a dynamic time when you're in your teenage years. I can recall my own experiences. Now we're seeing her really become more of a, a woman, and that I think that started in book five, really. She puts Harry in his place, and you know you, you get that inkling of you know she, she can put her foot down when she needs to, and Harry needs that. He, he needs somebody telling him good common sense things, and she seems to have a lot of that to go around. So I hope that that continues because Harry needs that stability. So, um, what was the most shocking moment for you in The Half-Blood Prince? Um, let's see. I can't list all the million that I had, but, uh, I mean, it's just the the one that everybody talks about, the whole Dumbledore death part. I, I just kept feeling like she's got to pull a Gandalf. He's got to come back. He can't really be dead. It's, you know, that, that's been kind of the pattern. Every piece of fantasy or science fiction I've ever read, every movie I've ever watched, it's you think the unthinkable happens, and then it somehow becomes undone. So I'm still hoping for that undoing. And I think I'm just going to keep holding my breath and turn blue in the face while I wait. So, You know, coming back to kids and your expert, 
expertise with children, I am kids read this book and they're going to see Snape kill the grandfather figure. They're going to see him kill Dumbledore. How do you think that's going to affect younger children? Kids are just really resilient. That's what I've learned in my life. So my hope for them would be that reading this, they would see that, you know, situations aren't always black and white. So we don't know what's going on with Snape just yet. We, we know something really bad's happened, but I think that kids can hopefully see beyond that. And, and if they are disappointed, that's something that, you know, they have to learn how to deal with. So it's just part of life. Yeah. Do you have any advice? I mean, if you were teaching a fifth grade classroom, would you use the Half-Blood Prince in your classroom? Or would that be something that you'd probably steer away from because of the death? I feel like the books really only maybe through the third book should be used in classroom for my age group. You know, fifth grade, you teach 12-year-old, maybe you'll have a 13-year-old at that point, but 11 and 12-year-olds don't necessarily need to be reading up to the fifth and sixth book. And I understand that some do, and that's something if they do in their private time, that's no issue of mine. But in the classroom, you know, these books are meant to be read by the age level that Harry and his friends are at that point. Kids are resilient and kids can handle a lot, but I don't want to shove too much down their throat at once. You know, just let let them have time to, to be kids and let them read that when it's more appropriate, whenever they and their parents decide the timing is right. Okay, great. Well, now we're coming along to one of my favorite parts of the fan interview, and we're going to do the live or die segment. Do you understand what I'm going to, what we're about to do, where I'm going to ask you a character, and you're going to tell me if you think they're going to live or die at the end? Yeah, I feel like I'm on Actor Studio with James Lipton. Just don't ask me what my favorite cuss word is. I don't think that's going to go out. <laughs> no, 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 no. We, we can't do that. We're definitely a PG kind of side. John Noe would be beeping me. I don't think we've had that option. Can we beep each other out? We're going to start with Ron. Ron will live. Hermione. Hermione will live. Snape. Snape will die. Percy Weasley. Um, I think he's already dead. <laughs> Lucius Malfoy. He's going to live in order to face his deeds. Um, Lucius reminds me of the guy from Princess Bride, the the Prince Humperdinck character, um, where in the end, Wesley, the, the hero, tells him that he's going to let him live and he's going to torture him and they're going to fight to the pain. And so he's basically going to live with himself as this grotesque thing. And I think that that's what Lucius has turned into um, so I think that he's going to have to learn to live with his own demons. Bellatrix. Um, she's going to get it. She's going to get it really bad. I think she's got everybody gunning for her right now. <laughs> okay, Draco. Draco's going to live. Luna. Luna will die. Voldemort. He's going to live, too. It's the same issue as Lucius Malfoy. I think that my mom always used that phrase, you know, when you have an enemy and you don't know what to do, you can just kill him with kindness. And, you know, I don't think that he's going to die because I think Harry, in one way or another, is going to find some way to make Voldemort live through all the terror that he's put other people through. I don't think that um, Joe would have spent so much time talking about the fact that there are things worse than death if she wasn't going to use that. Okay. And finally, what about Harry? He's going to make it. I'm hopeful for the future. Oh, I, I'm hopeful too. I, I really am. Well, thanks, Rachel. Thanks for chatting with me today. I appreciate it. And thanks for having me on.
Thanks everyone for listening to us today and uh, hope you guys have a magical day. Bye. And now, straight from the Leaky Lounge, this week's Modcast. Everyone will please not panic. Hey everybody, it's John again. We're going to do the Modcast now. I already said my name, but I'll say it again. This is John, TLC, coming from the Florida Keys. This is Nick, a.k.a. Nick TLC, coming from Cincinnati, Ohio. Hello, this is Kim M. Parker. Kim Parker, coming, hopefully by the time you hear this, from Great Mills, Maryland. Uh And this is Doris Herman, or Darcy, coming to you from Friendswood, Texas. Today, our topic for the Modcast is the Band Book Weeks that's coming up. And I wanted to start with a quote from Judy Bloom. Um, I found this quote on the American Library Association website. The quote is, It's not just the books that are under fire now that worry me. It is the books that will never be written. The books that will never be read. And all due to the fear of censorship. As always, young readers will be the real losers. And that's our topic for this week. So, guys, what do you guys think about Banned Book Week? I can't believe they banned Judy Bloom. I know. I love Judy Bloom. I love Judy Bloom. Before we got started, and and we were doing other stuff, (laughs) Doris and I were looking down the list, and the thought of John reading Judy Bloom is making me giggle. Sorry. (laughs) She's like my favorite author of Judy Bloom books. <laughs> wow. Okay. Let's, Sorry. But let's, anyways, we were going we were going over just that that how important are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Is to most little girls, to most thirteen year old girls. I mean, it's just the perfect book to read when you're going through the that wonderful, glorious time of your life that is being thirteen. Yeah, and and you know all of Judy Bloom's books. I mean, it's not the only one that's yeah that's on the list. And um, Forever is on the list. You know it. It's hard to think that if these books were actually banned, there would be 13-year-old girls who wouldn't read them and get out of them what we did when we were that age. It's a shame. It's, it's just... Those are some old books. Are you saying I'm old? <laughs> I'm just kidding. John. Okay, John. I'm just kidding. I'm getting myself busted. Yeah, we noticed. Well, you know, there's, really? a book, there's some books on this list for you there, John. Um, oh, yeah? Let's hear What them. is happening to my body, the book for boys? Oh. oh wait! What? What about that book? How we through some very troubled times. What about Captain Underpants? Oh yes, I definitely oh, see John as a Captain Underpants fan. But That's but classic. Nick is more of an of mice or men, yeah, because he's of, yes. of mice. Or men. Exactly. Of rats or men. Do you know how many copies of Captain Underpants <laughs> I confiscate on a monthly basis in my classroom? I let my kids read it. I, yeah, I but, think that they really like it. My kids aren't supposed What's it about, My kids aren't anyway? supposed to be reading talking. Captain Underpants in the middle of their science lab. They get it back at the end of Ooh. class. <laughs> okay. it's, what's it about? It teaches it's you a, biology. It's a cartoon. <laughs> you know. It's a cartoon character and, and he goes through life solving crimes, but he wears his underpants on the outside of his clothes. Is it like the underpants normals from South Park? <laughs> I don't watch South Park. And, and no one watches I, South Park and the underpants gnomes? Haven't seen it in ages. No, you're on your own there, Johnny. Oh, well. Okay, but let's go back to some of the books that are on our list, because we've looked at our list extensively. Um, you know, one of the books that really shocked me that was on this list, and a book that I loved as a kid, was Huckleberry Finn. Mm. And I know Kim, oh, sure. Kim doesn't like hate it. hates Mark Twain. Sorry. Absolutely. But I, I, it was the one book that I read, and I, I read about the way 
people treated slaves in, in that time period, and it really struck me. It, you know, I'd read all the nonfiction in the world about it, but when I listened to the relationship between these two people, I realized it, it just hit me in a certain way. I can't believe that somebody would not be able to read that book be, if it were banned. I'm all for it. Let, let's keep it. Let's not ban it. Just don't make me ever have to read it again. But it's the perfect novel for teaching kids and adults about the context and how important context is in looking at words and looking at situations because if you take that book away what are you saying about that period in our history mm-hmm. and, exactly and yep. as, uh, exactly. someone who grew up in the south even you you have that that feeling but it's also looking down the list I, we were struck earlier how many of these books are geared at teenagers and how many of them are geared at teenage girls in particular that just mm-hmm. wouldn't be there if it weren't for for that have we mentioned yet that um the Harry Potter books are often on these banned books list, thus um, the reason we're talking yeah. about it today. For everybody unaware, Harry Potter books have been challenged in many schools. There are many children who aren't allowed to read them at school. I think Doris' is a class perhaps would be one of them. Well, actually, my class is able to, to read them. Yeah, but Kim's isn't. That'd be Kim's. And, and uh, I've heard other teachers who have said that they're not able to have them in their classroom or to teach them. Um, which is a shame because, like most literature, the kids, if they love it, they're going to read it. And if they don't like it, yeah. they're really not. Yeah, I, so. I've, gotten one, I've gotten one complaint already this oh, yeah. year from I had that using it as simply just the introduction to a classification lab. And I could have swapped the names Harry and Ron, yeah. and the parent wouldn't have had a problem. Yeah. I know. One, one, one year I'm going to try that, but... <sighs> yeah, you, that's creative. Yeah, that's I why like we keep. Style. That's why we keep John and around here. Piney. Yeah, <laughs> and Waco, Flab, and Look, Toil. John can actually name some characters. So Nick of the. <laughs> I'm good at rhyming. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Nick of, of the books on this list, which are the ones that you were most surprised to see? Um, definitely the Scary Story series, and also the Goosebumps series, because yeah. it just feels like. Totally. You know, while all the other ones have much more noble intentions and in what they're trying to do, um, <laughs> to see Goosebumps on there, just I find extremely amusing because, you know, I don't really see a parent... I just I don't understand why you would really ban that. I understand why you might not want your child to read it, but I don't understand why you'd just downright, you know, force everybody else not to be able to read it. Because, you know, if the kid wants to be... Well, when- if the kid wants to be scared to the point of peeing their pants, and who are you to tell them that they can't, you know? Yeah, one thing about Banned Book Week, though, that, that just, you know, there might be some things that I wouldn't want my kids to read, and that's between me and my kids. I'm not going to tell some other parent that your child can't read this because I don't want my kid to. You know, my child has to be accountable for their actions, and if they don't want their kid to read it, then their kid shouldn't read it. But You don't... It, and you don't take be. that away from, from another child, from another family that could very much benefit from the experience that that literature could give them. Exactly. I know. Occasionally I can say good things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when oh, I always, I, I get a giggle. I'm horrible. We all know this. But I get a giggle every time I look. If you look down the 100 most challenged books, my personal favorite is that the Bible is on there. The Bible and the Quran mm-hmm. have, have both been challenged mm-hmm. and banned. They're in the top 100. Which just the hypocrisy of that just makes me giggle a little bit whenever I see that. Well, a lot of that is giggle, giggle. <laughs> well, a lot of that is like it's usually the King King James version of the Bible, and it's banned because it's considered to be too mm-hmm. Protestant leaning as opposed to Catholic leaning. 
So it's not just the Bible altogether. It's, like it's the most beautiful the Bible form is of band, it. Period. Yeah, it's the form. It's that, you usually know. a certain version of it. In the book on my honor, the reason why they want it banned is because a, a, one of the characters early on in the book drowns. He dies, and it's a book for thirteen or fourteen year old boys. Thirteen and fourteen year old boys love this book, and and in reality, I mean, it's, it was a sad thing to happen, but in reality, that does happen, and Same it with- helps kids deal with grief it's not a bad book just because something bad happens in the book i absolutely adored as a child yeah and then going back to uh of mice and men i honestly i read that not very long ago but um the violence in it wasn't really violent it was it's not like an action movie where they describe every everything happening by you know showing the blood and guts and whatever you know at one point he like he pets the woman, or you know, they call it petting, Heavy <laughs> um, on her hair because he he yeah because he thinks that her hair is really pretty, and he ends up like killing her somehow. But it's not like he you know stabbed her with a meat cleaver or something. It's not you know it's not that bad. At the end of the book, uh, Lenny shoots um, George, but it's not again. They don't describe the actual action. There's your spoiler so really warning. What's to object to? <laughs> yeah, oops. Well, and really, you have, yeah, you have. Um, if you have a child reading it, they're only going to read what their imagination can imagine. And so, if you have a young child who can't imagine a violent death, they're not going to see a violent death there mm-hmm. because their brains aren't capable of doing that yet. So, you know, it, it's kind of. It, it just seems strange to me that somebody would want to limit somebody's ability to read whatever it is they want to read. And at the same time, going back, since we're, as we approach kind of the thought of wrapping up, going back to our original reasoning for this is why Harry Potter gets put on the list. And there's a quote on the, on the Band Books Week poster somewhere. There's a, there's a Joe quote about, you know, no one's ever come up to me and said, thank you for making me want to practice witchcraft because of your novels. But that's what the fear is in some ways. Instead of seeing them as these great escapist literature, these great ways of seeing tropes and, and themes and elements, all they see is just the top level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's why you would wonder why the people who ban it don't read the books, because they certainly are just looking that's at it. They probably never read it. Just the surface. All right. <laughs> yeah. It, it's. Any last thoughts? Well, I, I really liked um, Hermione's comment in... When Umbridge said, you know, told people not to read something and she banned them from reading it, that was the one way to make sure everyone got out there and read it it, because it was banned. And I'm hoping that's what happens this week. I hope people go to the American Library website and they pull up the banned book list and they find a banned book that maybe they've read before and want to read or that they haven't read and they're curious about and, and that they read it just as a way to you know, kind of protest somebody trying to limit our freedom to be able to read whatever we want to read. And on that note, I'll once again repeat, go pull up the list of the 100 most challenged and banned books. See if there's something fun on there. I know I'm always shocked to see how many of them I've read. I think that tells you a lot about me. And wrapping up this week's Modcast, our special first themed edition for Banned Books Week. Uh, this yay. Is- <laughs> yay. Good theme. <laughs> this is Kim Parker, Kim M. Parker, and I'm saying goodnight. <laughs> Somebody else has to do it now. Oh, no. no, John, it's your turn. Oh, it is? Look at our list. It says John. Oh, I didn't get that far on the list. <laughs> <laughs> this is 
This is John Noe. Uh, this is John Noe. John Noe rhymes with doughy. Thanks to my fan club from Darcy's class. Okay, this is Doris Herman or Darcy. And this is Nick. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about banned books, you can go to the ALA website at ala.org slash ala slash OIF slash banned books week slash banned books week dot htm. I have an entire listing of <laughs> an entire listing of banned books and so forth there that you can find. And as ever, you can discuss this topic at leakylounge.com. I'm sure we'll have topics starting up in the teacher's tea room and possibly in the shrieking shacks sections if you'd like to take a look. This is Scavikin's M. Parker signing off and have everyone a great leaky day. It's time to get in the know. Hi, this is Heidi Tandy, and I am here with Beverly Becker of the American Library Association, and we're going to talk about Banned Books Week. Beverly, can you explain to me a little bit more about what Banned Books Week is and why we need to have this in the United States? Banned Books Week is our annual celebration of the freedom to read. It is an opportunity to um, just relax and, and realize that we have the ability to choose for ourselves what it is we want to read, that that's very valuable. It allows us to um, receive and seek the information that we want and need to make an assessment about it, to make a judgment, to decide for ourselves what it is we think. And um, we're really very fortunate to have the ability to do that, so we should think we should take a minute and celebrate. So it's been very controversial in the past couple of years, the Harry Potter books. Um, they seem to be consistently in the top ten list of books that are challenged. Now, first, I want you to expand, explain to us a little bit about the difference between a book being challenged and a book being banned. All right. A challenged book, we define a challenge as a formal written complaint requesting that materials be removed or restricted, library materials be removed or restricted. So it is not somebody... Um, voicing an opinion they don't like something, it is going that next step and asking that it be made unavailable um, in a school or library setting. A banned book would be what people would consider a successful challenge. So when that next step happens and the library or school actually removes the book and it is no longer available to the people it serves, then it would be a banned book. And there are probably some situations where a parent makes a complaint to a school or to a public library and it doesn't go to the level of a challenge in terms of the formal proceeding, but it gets removed or restricted anyway? That can happen. Um, you know, we, we strongly encourage librarians when they receive a challenge to follow the procedures they have in place. That's really the best way to ensure that, you know, the people who are, who are making the complaint get a fair hearing, but also the book gets a fair hearing and that everyone's rights are respected and a careful decision is made so that, you know, if somebody goes and complains about a book that if you pull it off the shelf and, you know, then that one person has now decided what everyone has access to without any kind of um, procedure. And so we want to make sure that any decisions are made very carefully and with a lot of thought put into them. What sort of complaints have parents and others, I guess, others in the community made about the Harry Potter books through the past couple of years? Well, the, the primary complaint about Harry Potter has always been the witchcraft and magic in the book and an idea that um, it encourages kids to get into witchcraft and that that is somehow 
uh, religious Satanism or anti-Christian. We do get some complaints along the way about, um, you know, lying and sneaky behavior and not listening to adults and stuff, but really um, the one thing that we see consistently across the board is the magic in the book. And you... You probably run into situations where people have been sent a copy of the article that appeared in the Onion satirical newspaper. Oh yes, for there was a time when when we were getting ch- people thought that that was a good reason to challenge the book because of that article. People did not realize that the Onion was satire, and they didn't realize that the text of it was fictional. No, they did not. Not everybody realizes that, you know. Just because the library has something in its collection doesn't mean that it agrees with the content. There are lots of books in the library. The library's job is to make sure that the, there's information there for everyone, that no matter what you need, that you can find it in the library. And so um, there's a wide range of ideas represented, and you know the librarian will agree with some and not with others, but it doesn't really matter what he or she thinks. The point is to make it accessible. You know, if they're not satisfied with that, however, there should be a formal process to follow, which would include filing a formal written complaint, and then it would go before a review committee in which, you know, a number of people would read the book in its entirety, would look at professional reviews of the materials, would look at um, any awards it's won, look at things like that and make a decision about whether the, the book met the library's material selection policy. And those select, the selection criteria that are in the selection policy sort of outline what it is the library's role is, you know, what, how it decides what to buy, because obviously they do have to make selection decisions. How often does a complaint usually result in something being restricted or actually removed from the shelves? We don't have definite numbers on this, but it's our impression that most challenges are not successful, so that most of the time the books remain available and accessible. Um, Sometimes they are pulled and and banned, but in most cases we believe that they remain in the library. Now, I read something recently where the ALA was looking over their numbers, and it seemed that having complaints to the formal written complaints to have a book removed from shelves has increased almost 20% in the past year or two. What are you finding are the most often given reasons for removal attempts and have those rules and have those reasons rather changed over the past two or five or ten years? They have changed actually over about the last five years. For a long time it was um, sexual content was the reason we had heard number one, offensive language was number two, and then um, occult Satanism was up there, and um, and we have seen a flip in that now it's offensive language that's on top of the list, and then sex, and then what we're hearing about most is um, unsuited to age group or other, so they're not specified or it's primarily about who the audience is. I have a six-year-old myself and Mm -hmm. the ending of book six and Mm -hmm. this is the spoiler part where people who haven't finished reading book six yet should probably not listen to the rest of the interview where the um, basically the scene in which Dumbledore is killed and also I've heard parents of other other parents who have younger children like mine also talking about the scene in which they go into the cave where Dumbledore is drinking the liquid that the Horcrux is in and mm-hmm. that those scenes can be very disturbing so have you has anything come in yet about book six in terms of complaints no we have not heard any complaints about book six yet and interestingly we didn't really hear much about book five either and we were we were interested to see what would happen as Harry got older and we thought the situations he got into might be more adult. Mm-hmm. Um, Which they what, we're, 
which they have, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens in yet the next one. But what, what we're hearing in the challenge is because they're primarily based on the magic and the witchcraft and to the, sort of the underlying premise of the entire series, the challenges have really been not to a particular book or a scene or something that happens. They've been to the series as a whole from the very beginning so that um, people didn't challenge one of the books. They challenged all the books. And often they, part of that was not only, you know, the first three, but any future publications, you know, were sort of included in those initial challenges. So I think that um, we may have actually sort of seen the peak on these challenges to Harry Potter, that the people who were objecting to it have done so because the objections have not changed with the book. On your other point, I think it is important to recognize that you know, library, public libraries certainly, but school libraries as well, serve a broad range of people and ages and maturity levels and interests. And that's why they work so hard to have such a diverse collection. But that's also why it's so important for parents to be involved in what their kids are reading. You know, there are kids who, who can't read scary books or watch scary movies because they have nightmares for weeks. There are other kids who, for whom it's not a problem. Then the library's job is to make sure that it's available for those who want it and, and also to make sure there are books available for those younger kids that, are, that they want to read and it will be of interest to them as well. And then and they can certainly work with parents and help them find books that are suitable for their specific kids. We don't want them to to take away Harry Potter so that, you know, no six-year-old encounters it when that denies all the 11-year-olds the ability to read it. Okay. Now, just to play devil's advocate for a second, there have been over 11 million copies of um, Half-Blood Prince that have been sold in the United States in the last two months. That's one copy, I think, for every 27 or 28 people in this country. Why does it matter so much if they're not accessible in libraries? Well, I think it matters very much. I mean, libraries are the one place that anyone can get the information they need, regardless of their position in society, regardless of their financial status, regardless of their mobility or, you know, I think it's easy for us to forget that if it's not available in the library, you can just buy it on Amazon.com. But for some people, that is not an option. And they have every right to be able to read these books as well or to have access to whatever information they need. That's actually why the library is there. What are the plans for the for Band Books Week this year? Well, Band Books Week, it, we sponsor Band Books Week, but Band Books Week is really a local celebration. Um, most challenges that take place take place locally. They happen in your local school or local library. And and Van Books Week takes place there too. So it's your local library that will, um, or bookstore or school that will do an exhibit or a program or um, lecture, something to highlight the importance of intellectual freedom, the, the importance of being able to choose what you want to read for yourself, the dangers of censorship, so that you can see those issues in a local context. And, you know, one of the reasons we do that is so that people think about it and, and start to think about the issues and then pay attention to what's going on in their community because they're the ones who make a difference when a challenge happens in their community. What can people do if they know of a challenge in their school or some complaints about a book that haven't risen to the challenge level yet? You can certainly contact us from our website, which is the www.ala.org slash OIF for Office Intellectual Freedom. But one of the most important things they can do is let their school librarians, teachers, principals know that they have the support of the people in the community. A lot of the reasons that books 
that are challenged may be removed is because the people who are in the decision only hear from people who are unhappy and want the book taken out of the library. And they never hear from the silent majority that thinks it's great that Harry Potter is there. So it's really important to express your support for those people who are on the front lines of making sure that you have access to the information you need. Are there t-shirts and buttons and things like that that people can get to show their support for the ALA during Banned Books Week? There are, and you can also find those on our website at www www.ala.org slash ebooks. Well, Beverly, thank you so much for speaking with us today and for giving us great information about these resources. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. Happy Van Books Week. Time to put on our Extendable Is. Welcome back for our interview with Matt Lewis. This is part two of a three-part interview that the Leaky Cauldron did with the actor who plays Neville Longbottom in the Harry Potter films. Just so that you know, Matt took time out of his busy schedule to talk to us, but was also watching a cricket game while we did this interview, and that will explain some of the things that you hear in the upcoming segment. This is the segment where we start to get into discussion about the fourth movie, so enjoy. So let's talk a bit about movie four, because I don't even think we've touched on it. Um, Okay. You're done filming, clearly. Yes. Um, how was it? How was working with Mike Newell? Uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, he's he's really really funny. He's great. Um, it was different from uh, Alfonso and Chris Columbus again, mm-hmm. but I uh, I really enjoyed it. It was good. I think it's going to be a great film. I really do. I think his idea of of everything is not too drastically different, but it's got his own his own appeal, and I think it's going to be really really good. How how is he different? How is he different than Chris and Alfonso. Um, let's think. It, it was sort of like Alfonso and different from Chris's, and he was really sort of really crazy and wanted to have fun with it and and, and try different ways and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But he sort of again he was he was he was similar to Chris because he sort of he still wanted to get he didn't want it to be too dark and and I mean although there was sort of the death in there Cedric's death but he he still wanted it to be about like you know friends not just about the whole darkness and the evil bit. It's quite a nice balance about between um, the friendship and and uh, and how, how all the characters Neville, Ron, and my all how they work hard to help Harry win the Triwizard Tournament. But there's also that darkness in there from from Voldemort and and the, the graveyard scene is going to be immense. I'm really looking forward to seeing that. What's been the what what was the buzz? I I know people get when they work together they get excited about certain elements. So the buzz was. About the graveyard scene, mostly. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. E- I I saw the set like once, and I, I didn't even see. I didn't even walk onto it. I just saw it. Uh, it, it looked amazing, and um, everyone's been speaking about, about it, about how just filming it was was scary. Mm. And so I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I bet I bet shooting it was so much fun. I can imagine. What about um, the Yule Ball? That was good. That was good. That was uh, a change of. A scenery again. I mean, the, the great, the great hall looks, looks different, and uh, we're all we're all wearing uh, smart clothes, tuxedos, etc. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it was it was an interesting change, and a lot of fun in the build-up to it, learning to dance and all that. It was it was cool. Um, we had another interview with somebody who who saw the movie, who saw the fourth film. All right, yeah. And they they told us that you and Ginny have quite a moment. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you have to wait and see about that one, but it's uh, it's pretty cool. I really, really enjoyed um, learning to dance, and and then Ginny was good. 
Denise, Bonnie, who plays who plays Denise, she was she was great. She uh, she picked up on it a lot faster than me. She was, she was I don't know whether she's danced before, but she was very good. Hmm. And it was good fun. I enjoyed it. It's nice to see Neville sort of break out of the klutz role a bit. Yeah, in this one, he, he sort of this is this is his thing. Aside from herbology, dancing is the one thing he, he really really likes. It's uh, his his thing, and and he comes out and he really shows that. And then this one, he um. He enjoys it, he practices it, he works hard at it, and when he finally gets to do it, you can see just how much he loves it, and he really enjoys it. Cool. Um, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, think, I'm thinking about Neville dancing. <laughs> it's just the cutest thing. I heard, we heard that he comes into the, to the common room afterwards, just after he's like the last one back in, and he comes in dancing, and... <laughs> do you still dance? Do you still take those steps and use them on your own? Uh, what, like, in real life? Yeah. Oh, no, I, uh, I, I mean, I, I, I did it for that, but I, I'm not a dancer, no. Mm. I mean, I think, I think if I, if I tried, I could probably still do it, but, uh, no, that's not me. <laughs> oh, uh, doorbell's going. What is that? Oh, it's a doorbell. <laughs> it's my doorbell. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, we've got another wicket in cricket. As well. <laughs> awesome. oh, my, my, my dad and my brother are shouting. <laughs> it's a bit crazy at the minute. We've got England need two more wickets, and Australia are ten behind. It was looking so bad earlier. Uh huh. Now, now we're, we're not doing we're not doing too bad at all. You're ten. You're ten ahead. One, yeah, we're ten runs ahead with uh, two with uh, an inning each to go. So how? Um, how into cricket are you? Uh, well, I always used to watch the international. I don't like really county cricket, and um, because my dad used to play cricket, he's big cricket fan. Mm-hmm. I used to I used to watch all the internationals whenever they were on. I, although I used to watch them, I was never like, oh, "This is great." I wouldn't think if I, if I had something else to do, I'd go do it. Yeah, but um, I don't know. Now that I've come into sort of when I've just got a bit older and started to understand it more. I sort of really got into it now, and then this Ashes this year with England Australia has just become now everyone's into it, and I'm into it a whole lot more now. That all my friends are, and it's just it's great. Football though, yeah. still number one. Sorry? Football though, still number one. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I think I think so, but uh, cricket's catching up. <laughs> I don't know a single thing about cricket. You don't know anything. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, England are two and up. That's all you need to know. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, the couple times three one up today. We'll see. I doubt. I doubt it. I mean, there's, there's two days left, and uh, like I said, there's one innings each to play. Right. I think this one will be a draw. So England are going to win two one. Hmm. I think that's my prediction. A draw in this 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 uh, test, and then a a two one win for England in the series. Okay. We'll have your prediction down. Okay. <laughs> so you also told me told us a little bit about some workshops that Mike Newell put together. Yeah, that was good fun. That was um, basically because we had such a so many new people coming into the into the film. It was there was uh, there was Katie, there was Joe, and there was Dan and Rob, and all these new people coming in. Mm-hmm. So he, what he thought was he thought it would be a great idea to sort of well, we've been away for a long time. We, we've been away from everybody for a long time. And so he thought it'd be a good idea to get everyone back to know each other again and mm-hmm. and meeting the new people. So we had these workshops where oh, yeah. he had a bit of fun, you know, about like uh, training our voices and and improvisation that sort of thing. And we got to know everyone, and uh, it was a great idea. 
everyone because it made them fit in perfectly and mm-hmm. uh, getting to know them all before we actually got thrown straight in filming was a great idea. What kind of exercises did you do? Uh, I think we did, we did loads of stuff. Uh, stuff like um, we had a chair, a chair, and, and we had to have one person sat in the chair and then another person had to try and get that chair off them. And, and the chair could have been, it could, it could be important to you for any reason. And they could have it, they could want the chair for any reason at all. Mm-hmm. And it was like an improvisation technique. And it was, it was so funny, seeing the different reasons why people would want it or would want to keep it. And it was, it was great. I really, really, really enjoyed that. Well, what, I, I, I hope I get to do it again. It was so funny. What was yours? Uh, I was, I was sat in the chair and Alfie Enoch was trying to get out of it, get, get me out of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I claimed that it was an original MT Kirk chair from the Enterprise, and there was no way he was sitting in it. <laughs> and, what was, and what was Alfie's reason for wanting to get it? He, 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 he was feeling really, really ill, and he desperately needed to sit down. But I was convinced that he'd been drinking, and it was his own fault, and there was no way he was sitting in my chair when he smelled booze. Oh, that's great. Why are why aren't these on the DVD outtakes? <laughs> I want to see that. What were what were some of the other funny ones people came up with? You know, I I can't remember many. Um, I can't remember any at all. Mm-hmm. I, do, I I remember laughing so much that day from all sorts of things. But uh, I think Rupert was just uh, it was just, I think Rupert Rupert was really funny. I remember it, but I think he's played some old 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 man but was also a geek at the same time and uh, it was some park chair or something that he really really wanted to hang on to but he, he's so funny his impressions that he does were great so when he did, did this old man that was also a geek it, it was just great I really really laughed my head off at Rupert cool D- had you ever done this kind of acting stuff with, with each other before? not with each other I had done it cause I used to go to drama classes uh, like every week at my um, the agency that I was with had also drama classes Mm-hmm. So I used to do it with them, but I'd never done this particular exercise before, and and not with people on set. And it was it was just really really funny to see people that that, that you worked with for years, but never sort of been able to just mess around mm-hmm. crazy all the time before. And it was just cool because uh, everyone came up with their own ideas and your own your own scripts, and it was just it was interesting. And also we had other t- other we're given a scenario. And it was good to see some of the people that were on the comedy side also try to sell the serious acting. And it was yeah. it was good fun to see everyone's talents. And everyone was really good. Everyone did it so well. And uh, like I said, I'd love to do it again. I also, I also have down that you told us you guys played tag. Sorry? You guys played tag also? Yeah, I think, yeah, we did a big game of, a big game of that, yeah. <laughs> I fun. was rubbed at that. Really? <laughs> yeah. How so? I, I just got caught every time. I was one of the first on. And oh. uh, and then I was rubbish at catching other people as well. Well, never. We, we, had, we had an interesting game as well, which is, was similar to that, only you, you created a big line um, when you'd done it after you'd been caught. Mm-hmm. And you'd link hands. And all of the people on the, on, the, on the two outside edges were the ones that were allowed to tag. Yeah. So you had to sort of get a big line to encircle the one person and just tag them. Uh-huh. And it was really sort of about teamwork at the same time as as catching people, it was, it was really funny. The line would always break. Someone would say, "I'm going for that guy there." No, I'm going for this one, and then you just tear apart in the middle. <laughs> so I'm imagining now at the end a big, a big just line of people all running after this one person. 
Well, imagine it running after two people, no one knows which one's going to go for. <laughs> And then they just rip apart, and it was funny. It was, it was. I only got to go to two of the days because I had an exam on the last day. Mm-hmm. But I love to have gone to the last day. It was just so much fun. I can't wait to do it again if we do. So, um, how then did did those exercises change when you were change your relationship with these people when you were actually filming? Well, it, it helped them to, to fit in, and and we got we got to know everybody. I mean, when you get thrown together, you're thrown together for a, a, a long time, and you're shooting. Uh, with these people in, in close quarters, and and I get, I imagine that if it was with someone who you really really hated, it'd be absolutely awful. Yeah. And um, it was good to get to know everybody and not feel uncomfortable when we got thrown together to do this uh, this acting. And it just it just helped everybody because you knew how how these people how good they were, and um, and that, it made you look forward to wanting to work with them again. Yeah. Oh, that was a cracking catch. Oh. I'm Excellent. I just remember when I was in England last, you and John were having the argument over Leeds. <laughs> John is Jamie Waylett's um, agent, handler, friend, family friend guy. And in the friendships that have that have come up, John and Matt have formed a very interesting football rivalry between QPR <laughs> and Leeds. And I was um, I was lucky enough to witness some. of some of what happened <laughs> as a result. More it's funny. not Leeds beating QPR. Oh, this is what I hear. Listen, we made a bet at the, at the premiere, if you remember. Mm-hmm. He said that there was no way Leeds were going to beat QPR, and, and the difference in goals to the winning team would be the amount of times that the loser would have to bow to the other. <laughs> and Leeds United won 6-1 against QPR, so he had to bow to me five times. <laughs> Did he do it? He didn't. He, he never. He didn't vow to me. Oh God! I'm still, I'm still waiting for that. So if you see, if you see him, tell him he's got a vow to me five times. I will. <laughs> I spoke to him yesterday, cool. so I'll, <laughs> I'll bother him. So Mike Newell, how would he direct? What would he do? What was his way of getting a good performance out of people? Okay, we, we did rehearsals, which was uh, which we didn't do much of before. Mm-hmm. Um, we it was that was. That was good, actually, to be able to, to, to go through it and, and ask questions all the time and, and not worry about about screwing up the scene because it was just rehearsals. And anything that you had an issue with, you could try it numerous different ways as opposed to just going straight into it and getting it right. Mm-hmm. So that was good. I, I liked the rehearsal side. and It was also... Uh, we, we worked hard he, he kept for a long time. We always used to be staying there till about 7 o'clock at night. And uh, it was good. I enjoyed it that way because it was... If you got it wrong, he'd always do another. It, or, or how you felt, you got it wrong. Whether he liked it or not, he'd always do another one. Yeah. So that you, you'd be happy with it yourself. Yeah. And and, so- uh, and, and I, I like that as well. He was just uh, it wasn't too. It wasn't like drastically different, but it's his own style. Like I said, for example, the, the fact that you got to rehearse and and it was it was relaxed again and it was good fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I'm it- rubbish with those questions. No, no, no. That was, that was great. Uh, you know, I'm kind of tired. The cricket's on. I'm just going to go watch that. Uh, can we do this next week? Is that all right? Sure. Fine. Thanks, yeah. Matt. <laughs> no, we we will be back next week with, with Matt Lewis. Uh, the mail's here. Oh, great. Thanks. Welcome to the mailbag segment. I'm Melissa from Leaky, and I'm here with... Sue from Leaky. Hello. 
Hey, I'm Kristen from Leakey. Let's go. Um, this is Lauren from Tennessee. My question is, uh, Joe Rowling admits that there is more to Aunt Petunia than meets the eye. What role, if any, do you think she'll play in Book 7? And do you think she's a witch denying her magical powers? Thanks. I have thought that she has been in denial because I just found it weird that her sister was so powerful and she has Zippo. So maybe she's the character that gets the magic late in life. So I, I think that has a lot of merit. I think it does too. I agree with you. She's definitely hiding something. Mm-hmm. And it's more than just a, oh, I don't like those kind of people. Yeah, There's something else there. Why would she try so hard, so vehemently, to squish the magic out of Harry? You know? Yeah. But th- why? Why? If she has this, what, what is it? What else is there that makes her hate it so much? I mean, her husband comes across as just very, you know, bigoted. He's mm. just a jackass. But right. There's something else there for her, definitely. Well, maybe she was in love with James or had a thing for Snape or something and was rejected. So she just, you know, I don't know. Everybody's in love with everybody. <laughs> but I do think that awful boy that she's talking about was Snape. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Mm. Me too. I know a lot of people think it's James, but I'm I'm thinking it's probably Snape. No, oh, because um, when J.K. Rowling talked about it at the children's press conference in Scotland, she didn't say she was speaking about it offhandedly, and she did very carefully say that awful boy. And it just makes you think that she I, I, maybe Ooh, I'm making the plot up. thickens. The Ooh, plot thickens. You know, sometimes she does sort of toss things off the cuff. Like, for instance, in the interview, we were talking about Regulus Black, and, or no, we were talking about R.A.B., and I answered what she had said about R.A.B. as if she had said Regulus Black, and I just, without noticing it, I just sort of went on with the conversation, and there was no correction, there was no pause in the conversation, it was just, just right into, you know, you'll, mm-hmm. you can tell from the transcript. So, um, cool. Hmm. So, yeah, she does sort of do that. Yeah, she does. She's a tricksy one, that one. What about what Dudley saw? What do you think? With the An empty refrigerator that he saw. <laughs> I don't know. Chris. Sorry. I have no response to that. <laughs> okay, let's just go on to our next question. Okay, let's go on. Next. Hi, this is Jared Kaplan from uh, West Babylon, New York. Um, this is a comment. I was just reading The Half-Blood Prince again. And I realized something that on pages 32 and 33 in the chapter Spinner's End, it's the part where Snape says that he knows about the plan. Now, Narcissa actually is the one that tells him what happens. So this only means that Snape must have been just trying to figure out what the plan was, because he's very sneaky that way, um, which means that he just wanted to know, you know, what kind of things were going to be happening at Hogwarts, if there's going to be any danger, which pretty much proves that Snape's a good guy. And uh, I think it's obvious. So, there you go. Bye. Okay, random sound at the end there was his cell phone, I'm sure, just to clarify. But what do you guys think? First of all, this was really one of my favorite parts of this book. Mm. That, you know, I read it the first time and I thought, oh my god, I can't believe Snape did that. And then you go back and you start thinking and you realize it could go either way. He's absolutely right. There's nothing really revealed in that part. But is it because Snape truly doesn't know and he's out to get information? Is it because Snape does know the same thing that she knows and just isn't repeating it? I don't know. What do you all think? Is it also is it because, as a storyteller, J.K. Rowling can't reveal anything about that at that moment? 
That's a yeah. possibility too. I mean, he's he's certainly not. I mean, we don't need. Well, it would be nice if we had him as like exposition guy. But in a situation where two people know, I love you, editors, <laughs> exposition guy. <laughs> you know, I mean, realistically, there's two people talking about something they both know about. They're not going to repeat everything, right? Especially when Voldemort's involved. Sure. I mean, on the other hand, I don't think Snape knew anything about it. Mm, really? I, I really I don't. Think I do. I think, but I think. Snape knew what was going on, and I still think that he's a good guy. I think he had so many chances. Mm. I don't see. know. I I think she wrote it deliberately, as to make it as as vague or iffy to go either way as possible to keep us all guessing. But I really think in the end that we're going to find out that Snape was was working for the order. I think he, you know, I mean, I don't think he's a good guy by any means, but. Maybe I wish you had Marauder Dawn back to answer this. Yeah, you have to. I want to see him cry. That's what she says. I want to see him cry. It was so great. Anyway. You have three possibilities. Snape's mm-hmm. working for the Order. Snape's working for Voldemort. Or Snape's working for himself. Yeah. And he's just going to play whatever side gets him the best deal. Yeah, I think if he doesn't know what's going on here, that does not mean that he's a good guy. That, mean he, that means that he is fishing for information. He's a smart mm-hmm. person who has been in a war for two wars for a long time, and he knows that when a clue comes your way, you don't shrug it off and exclude yourself from the situation. I hope he's a good guy. Oh, I keep hearing Don in my head. I know. I know. <laughs> no, I you know, know. and it can go easily go the other way, but why didn't he try to kill Harry at the end? And he still gave him another lesson until you close your mind and block. Yeah. You will always be defeated. That was another lesson yep. from the teacher, not from his enemy. Yeah, that's true. Why is he doing this? That sticks out with me all the way through. Every time I think, "Oh, he's bad," and then I remember that, I'm like, "No." So, well, if this is, if this is a Lily love thing, if he loves Lily, and and that's you know that's what it is, that could be what it is about her eyes. That could sure. be that it's because she has his eyes, and Harry has her eyes, and every time Snape looks at him, he sees that she chose to save her son over live and possibly, you know, sure, have be a life, and, you know, be with him. So or at some point. Yes. Even though she was married to James at that point, but you know. Yeah, I don't think she would have gone running to but maybe if James was killed, maybe that was the deal between Snape and Voldemort. Maybe it was I will I will kill James no doubt, but I'll leave Lily for you. Yeah. Maybe. Mm, you can swoop idea. in like a big bat and comfort her. <laughs> Cuz he's a vampire. No, no. I don't know if anyone ever thought of that before. No. <laughs> wow. Such a great theory. I will get 10,000 so... emails. Thank Sorry, guys. I, I have know. to go reread the books now. See I cannot tell you how many emails I've answered. <gasps> no. <laughs> He's not a vampire. Okay, let's go on. Okay, please. Hello, Pottercast. I was wondering if you think that there are other things in the sword hat, like the sword, only from. Raven Claw and Slytherin. I think your show is great. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. That was very cute. That was cute. Um, I liked this question because I think probably the easiest way to find a Ravenclaw Horcrux is through that sorting hat. That's a good idea. That is. You know? That's a good idea. Um, and it might have been what Voldemort was after. When was he? You mean when he was trying to come back as a teacher? Yeah. To get access to it? Yeah, to get access to the sorting hat and find some of the objects that would be appropriate to stash his soul in. Hmm. 
That's an interesting theory. It is. I, you know, I keep thinking there's going to be like a cushion, because you always talk about in charms class, the cushions are flying. <laughs> that maybe there's our old Ravenclaw cushion. You know, I don't know <laughs> what the Ravenclaw thing so is. So if Harry had been in, oh, in Ravenclaw, then in the Chamber of Secrets, he would have put the sorting hat on his head and a, a pillow would have fallen out and he would have had a big pillow fight with Tom Riddle. That's it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> die, Tom Riddle. Die, Basilisk. <laughs> Whack. Pillow of Doom. Yeah, pillow of Doom. Oh, I can sense a, a fan fiction writing now. Oh, Jesus. They're writing as we speak. There's the. T- I can hear the typing. Oh, they're going to say, and it'll be... Uh, and Emerson. I knew you were going to say that. Sorry, sorry. I, can't I could I could see that coming. I could smell that coming. I know. It's like <laughs> a big stinky blow one coming. Okay. All right, we're moving on right okay. now. All right. <laughs> Next. Thank you. Hi, Leaky. This is Libby from the comment boards. And, well, there have been a few rumors about mirrors and the Department of Mysteries everywhere in the Harry Potter universe especially about the Mirror of Aristide and the two-way mirror Sirius gave Harry. Well, what do you guys think is the significance of the two-way mirror? I mean, what's its importance? What do you think? Thanks. I love Pottercast. It's really been amazing. Thank you so much. Bye. There are, there are a couple of, couple of situations with the mirror, and I'm going to remember what they are in just one moment. Harry, <laughs> <laughs> Sirius could have it. Sirius could be wherever he is in the Valley world, as I like to call it, and be sitting around in a Valley chair and, you know, hear his his beeper buzz, his mirror beeper buzz or whatever, and say, hey, yo, it's Harry. Let me me talk to him. So, no, that could happen. Or what I think is is more likely is that that mirror was at Grimmauld Place, and um, it's either with Creature or it was um, fenced through Mundungus, and just magically, when Harry decides to repair it and tickle Gander and see what's going on with that mirror, somebody helpful will be on the other side. I like the idea that Mundungus has it. Mm. Well, Dung is one of my favorite characters, but as someone who does not believe that Mr. Sirius Black is <laughs> gone forever, I believe that he has the mirror. And In the Valley world. Here from him, from the mirror. In the Valley world, or in my bedroom, whichever way you prefer to look at it. And he is, and I think, which he, is a valley world of its own. <laughs> That's right, fairly <laughs> mystical dream world. Let's put it that way. Oh, but no, seriously, think <laughs> it's late, people. It's late. What do you think? What? I think Sue has a problem. <laughs> <laughs> multiple, dear, multiple. But you know what? Didn't Joe say in one of those? I think it was the World Book Day chat that. She could not answer when someone asked about that mirror. For fear said, of incriminating. yourself? Yeah, Ding, 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 right. boys and girls, there we go. Yeah, but the question was, in what form will we see Sirius? Oh, well, you know. Valley. So you can check with him since he's in her bedroom. He's looking fine just right now, <laughs> and he's waving hello to everyone. <laughs> oh, Sue, I worry about you. <laughs> okay. Okay, if you would like to call us in the United States, please phone 1-425-296-2445 or 1-425-BY-MAGIC, M-A-G-I-K. Clever, huh? And if you're in the UK, please use your plus number and 020-7193-2872 and call, 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 please. Or... 
You can get us on Skype at the username Pottercast, or you can email us at staff at Pottercast.com. Oh, and if you want to email us a recording of your voice as a question, as a voicemail, that's fine, too. Yeah. I'm Melissa. And I'm Sue. And I'm Kristen. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Hi everyone! Welcome back to well, welcome to the end of the Pottercast. It's We've got Sue end. and John. Hello, hello. Hey everybody! It's the end. So how did how did you guys like this week's? It was great. Oh, stupendous. <laughs> we have a bunch of gonna... smart people that read our cast. Oh, sure. smarter than me. Smarter than me. We do. And Matt had a lot of great insights on the film. Oh yeah, Matt is cricket. We're gonna go with cricket. <laughs> it's cricket. Still have no idea what cricket is, but I'll look it up. It's one hilarious. Day. Throughout the entire interview, all you hear is him is people in the background, and we'd be talking, and then he'd go, "Oh, oh, that yeah. was great!" And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" It's like, "Oh, it's the cricket, it's the cricket." Jolly good whack, bro. The cricket, jolly, not jolly cricket. Good. The cricket. Do they say jolly good very often? The, the cricket. No. Okay, so guys, we got this awesome, awesome, really yes. great um, <laughs> the file that somebody sent us. Now, they made a song. Music. Out of Chamber of Secrets, out of quotes in yeah. Chamber of Secrets, and it sets a backbeat that I think it's great. So, so let's share a bit with everyone, and we'll put this at the end. We'll, if you go to our podcast.com, our show notes, we will have a link to the MP3 yeah. that you can download in full. This is from Brian Newman, 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 probably Newman. Uh, <laughs> it is called Harry Potter and the Chamber of Backbeats. Chamber of Backbeats. Bloody hell! All right, listen up. Come on, come on. All right, listen up. Come on, come on. Three, two, one. Can we go back now? Come on. Come, Dobby. We leave you. Your parents were meddlesome fools. They're dead scared that Harry will petrify them if they fly anywhere near him. Clearly someone doesn't want me here this year. I'll have you out this time, Potter. Not my words. Bloody hell. Oh, Harry. What's going on out? Well, take a good look, lads. This night might well be the last you spend in this castle. Three, two, one. Weren't those great backbeats, guys? It was really I cool. love it. Those were incredible backbeats. I love the, the using of the... Everything yeah. with with Lockhart, Gilderoy is the best part of that movie, in my opinion. But he, it just worked out really good. Totally. Yeah. I think he I also would... sent me a Star Wars one, but we're not going to play that here. Aww. I think well, I want to... I know, I know. I know it's a Potter thing, but still, it's pretty cool. You can go to the onering.net and look for that. I don't know if it's there, but... That's the that's the Lord of the Rings. No, that, I'm looking. Yeah, I'm in the wrong series. Star Wars. Is there a Star talk, Wars I'll talk, site? I'll talk. The One Ring. Star Wars times. <laughs> Listen, I know Harry Potter. I know nothing else. Okay? You, you just you just pissed off so many dorks all at once. <laughs> that was just a grand sweep of the dork piss off. Smacking the geeks in the face. Yeah. I apologize. It's all confusing outside Potter to me. It's just all yeah, Lord of the Rings and Star Wars, and... but same story basically, <laughs> same premise. 
No, it's not. No, it's not. You got lightsabers. You got actually. Dwarves. Actually, I am. I am actually a fan of the last Star Wars movie. Oh, that was hardcore yeah. cool. Or the all the Lord of the Rings movies. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I'm a geek and I'm proud of it. Thank you. John, I, I want to know something. Okay. Apparently, you like Queen. Queen, sure. Yeah, I like the Queen. No, not 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 the Queen. Queen, Queen, the Bohemian Rhapsody guys. The... Oh, the, the band. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, sure. Can you do yeah, a little Bohemian Rhapsody, Rhapsody for us? No, actually, not not for a free podcast. If you want that <laughs> podcast, you have to send a dollar to my email address. <laughs> when he gets three thousand of those, yes, he'll do <laughs> yeah, it. three thousand. I'll sing the whole song, <laughs> all twenty-two minutes of it. Well, well I well I just want to say thank you this week to of course streamload.com. Streamload. Mm-hmm. Yes, they rock. Yay! Freedom, Freedom for, your for your digital, digital lifestyle. lifestyle. Say it again, John. Oh, it was in stereo that time. Say it again. What? Give us a tagline. Oh, tagline. John. Freedom. Oh, freedom for your digital lifestyle. Thank you. That is streamload.com, everybody. They make this podcast possible they almost do. as much as idologic.com, who are the people Yay. who host Leaky. So Yay. lots of great sponsors. And I want to thank Matt Lewis for hey, taking yes. time out of his cricket watching or wait, not taking time out yeah. of his cricket watching to Cut do the interview off. with us. Thank you to Heidi and Beverly Becker Yay, for a Beverly fantastic Becker. interview with the American Library Association. And, and I, I learned a lot about Ben's book th- books this week. Did you learn a lot about Ben's books? I know. We should ban all the books. No, no John. Is that what we're doing? The... I think maybe, John, you need to listen to the podcast again. <laughs> I think I have to hit rewind a couple times. <laughs> You do that. Yeah. No. Books are not for banning. Don't ban books. It's bad. Well, banning a lot of banning happens on Harry Potter. Yeah. So to be a Harry Potter fan is to know that if ban if book banning happens on a more on a larger scale, you might not be a Harry Potter fan because you might not have gotten your hands on it. I'm still not allowed to read book six yet. My mom says I'm not old enough. Don't say it. I know what he's gonna say. There's no. too much naughty language. No, no, there's not. Parents do not listen to him. <laughs> I'm Don't. Just kidding. Oh goodness gracious! All right, guys, let's say goodbye. John, you have to go listen to the podcast again and understand about banned books. I, I have to listen to. I have to finish editing the podcast. What That's a good idea. <laughs> I gotta go drink some tea for my boys. Sorry, yeah, Sue's. I know it's terrible. I'm just gonna go to sleep. <sighs> okay. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Hey. I like to throw in a hooray sometimes. <laughs> Rose confetti in its hair. <laughs> We've missed it. Now, if you two don't mind, I'm going to bed. Great, Scott. No wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. Spooky how the time flies when one's having fun. <laughs> A guy called. Wait, we're gonna have to edit this part because I have to find his name. It's Brian. Right? Sure, I'll edit it. Yeah, but I have to find his last name. Oh. <laughs> Hold on a second. Yes, you will. <laughs> we don't know your name. Thanks for the beats. Let's say <laughs> I did it. <laughs> Here's those great back beats I did, everybody. <laughs> oh dear, we are in trouble.